the surveillance state has infrared cameras. What they're looking for is uh, illicit grow operations, but what they have found <laughs> is just three gas bags. Am I right? Drink. Blowing a lot of <laughs> blowing a lot of hot, hot air, air in here. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 117 of Video Games Hot Dog, mm. a podcast. Is it not Hot Diggity Dog, a podcast? Certainly mm. not. Huh. I I would not ever put my name on anything really? that had that phrase in it. Video I don't games think. hot diggity dog? Hot no, diggity dog? Not. Maybe that's like Abs- a level up we get when we get to like yeah. episode two hundred or something. Well, I mean I think maybe that's an episode that's a level up that we get when we turn into grandfathers who would make that kind of joke. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> or old timey prospectors. The, like, constant uh, deriding of jokes as uh, paternalistic or grand paternalistic. I'm saying paternalistic. I don't care if jokes are paternalistic. I care if jokes are like lame dad puns. Hot diggity dog. Yeah. That, not, no, I'm saying that's a, a grandpa. Pun. That is a grandpa joke. That is. That's a, not that even is a like joke. A, uh, sure. A, You're a right. Terminology, grandpa slang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's. They were like, oh my gosh. The, uh, 23 skidoo the, the zeppelin's on fire hot diggity dog cheese <laughs> it fellers it's the cops <clears throat> were your uh were your grandfathers both some sort of weird zeppelin pirates yeah <laughs> huh, that's pretty cool oh okay well i'll say whatever those guys say what 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 were their other what were what were some of the the capers they got up to who, who I are think you that they, uh, <laughs> they got their foot stuck under a train when they were trying to rob a train. Oh, bad, both of them? Bad scene. Yeah. With a Zeppelin? Were they working uh, together? Train, or was it the same train? Train robbing. Mm-hmm. Just, was it an air train? Yes. Huh. How'd they get their foot stuck under yeah, it? That much weirder. an airplane. That seems weird. Well, before there were airplanes, there were air trains. Okay. On rocket huh. uh, suspended train tracks? Yes. Yeah. That was sort of the the weakest... Sci-fi link. I think it was the greatest <laughs> element. It was the greatest individual thing about Sucker Punch, a See, great movie. It seems like if you can rocket elevate train tracks, you don't really need them. Can't yeah. you just put those rockets on the train? Yeah, I mean, if they're going to be on all the time. You know, and, uh, so maybe, maybe they're just in time rocket train tracks. Is that what you're saying? So they're just hanging mm. loose. No, they're just like on the ground and then like, oh, trains are coming. And yeah, like, oh, they, they just shoot up into the air. Yeah. Mm, okay. Catch it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe in the future, mm-hmm. it will be trivial to have a self-contained rocket power source that can just run all the time. You know, maybe it just uses... So maybe it why uses would anyone need a train? One molecule of air every uh-huh. 100,000 years so then to mm. rocket propel a... We uh, just have backpacks that let us fly wherever the fuck we want to go. Well, no, because you need to move a bunch of stuff at a time. Uh, a bunch of backpacks. Yeah, yeah. If you want to get jetpacks out to where the the primitive tribesmen are, uh-huh. who don't yet have jetpacks. Okay. Yeah, you can either have them fly on their airplanes to you, right. or you can just use your rocket train, which is just it's cool, right? Okay. So I mean, yeah, you, there's a lot of things that we don't need now, but we still have them because what are we gonna do? Just kill all the mailmen because we have email now? No. We just let them go well, about their business. I mean, if Amazon could send stuff from the internet to your 3D printer, then then maybe we could uh, get rid of all the mailmen. But well, yeah, and then I can then I can 3D print that buggy whip I've always wanted. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, every 3D whip that I've printed has been fairly buggy. <laughs> um, it's like, ah, oh, this is supposed to be made out of leather. Did you guys hear about that uh, hamburger? No. They, they oh, yeah. A, they made a hamburger and served it to someone that was made out of vat-grown beef. It cost like a hundred grand to make a hamburger. Wow, really? Yeah. And then, what do you mean? Did they like let them know that it was vat yeah, y- Yes, they, they made a big deal out of it, in fact. <laughs> it's good. All the vegetarians are excited because they're hypocrites. Yep. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the scientist was, the, apparently the guy that, that ate it Thought it was it was uh, it was it was it wasn't as tasty as it could be. It was a little too lean and didn't have enough fat in it. And the scientist was like, "Eh, whatever. Fat is a solved problem. We can make fat easy." <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I, don't, I think it was made out of some sort of cow stem cells. So it was still biological. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have like to kill the cow. They did not have to kill the cow. Is what I'm saying. Well, it depends on definition of vat grown beef killing i guess mm. okay eh, if, i mean if, maybe you have to kill like one cow but one cow gives you enough stem well, cells okay, for right so a bunch but, okay, of stuff if, i imagine if people can object to human stem cell research because they believe that it is killing consciousness at some stage then they could probably just as easily object to cow stem cell vat grown well but beef. i don't know that it comes from fetal cows it might just be like but does it matter I think it did come from fe- a fetal cow, actually. But I'm saying it doesn't have to come from, like, a fetal cow that you put in a blender. <laughs> you you <clears> don't have to insult it while you're doing it. <laughs> I mean, I guess they just find the most delicious fetal cow. They take all of its blood, and then they just use that to make mountains <laughs> They just have this big row of fetal cows, and the scientist goes down them and licks each one. <laughs> yeah, it's like that picture of the underarm sniffers. Yes! In the, in the science factory. Um yeah, only it's veal tasters. Hmm. I wonder if you could make veal. I wonder, I wonder if you could uh, add some cruelty into the vat-grown meat process. Mm. <laughs> would you eat a Would if, you eat a vat-grown hamburger? Oh, sure. Yeah, I think I would. I don't. It know would. That it would I probably would be. I mean, once they get it like consumer cheap, you could probably get them that taste a lot better than the hamburger you buy in a supermarket now. Because well, they could, I mean, they could, could vat grow all the really delicious breeds of it, like Kobe they could beef splice, or whatever. They could splice some oregano genes into it so yeah. that it would be pre-spiced. Hey. Mm. Oh, also uh, some um, lightning bug genes so that it, uh, it glows <laughs> oh, when it comes out. How oh, festive. Yeah, it starts glowing. That's how you know how cooked it is. Yeah. I was thinking good. that you could just go to the bathroom in the dark. I wonder if it has any blood in it and whether I would enjoy meat if it didn't have blood in it. I bet it doesn't have any blood in it, and I bet I wouldn't. Huh. Do you like your meat really rare? I mean, I guess I guess hamburger doesn't necessarily have very much blood in it when you eat it. It has a little. Yeah, I mean, doesn't, doesn't the, don't the muscle cells, like, use blood to transport oxygen? So well, they do when they're in a functioning cow. I don't well, know about... Okay, but then they take the, a functioning cow and they grind it up. But they drain the blood out of it first. Do you think that gets 100% of the blood? I doubt it. I don't think you can ever get 100% of anything. Oh, man. Did you we, guys read the multi-page forum thread about mopping that the last episode spawned? No, it, it, I didn't. Well, there was only a little bit about mopping, and there was a lot about pissing. A lot about there. peeing. A lot oh. about <laughs> dick, dick eyes. Um, I... Uh, 
Sounds like that thread is backwards. You're supposed to have the thread about pissing, and then you do the the thread about about mopping. mopping. Mm, Okay. I I got accused of hyperbole because I said that the argument for using a mop is basically it's never going to be 100% clean, so we might as well use diarrhea as soap. (laughs) I don't think that's hyperbolic at all. I think that's exactly the kind of position that you mop apologists are defending. Uh, What have you guys been up to? Uh, I did a couple of, couple of things that might be of interest. Um, one of them was that, um, since I'm in kind of a lull in, in terms of work, there hasn't been a lot for me to do, uh, at the moment. Um, I recalled back to the last time this happened, you had me design a 350 node choose your own adventure layout. And um, I figured that since Twine is now a thing that is making Choose Your Own Adventures popular again, it might be a good idea to to actually write that and put that out there on the internet for free, and maybe we can attract some of the people that like to read their video games. So I started messing around with Twine today. It seems oh, yeah. uh, it seems like you know it seems pretty good. It's it it's not it's not very deep code wise like the most complicated it gets in code is like storing variables and and comparing them sort of but well, like, can, i think you can embed you can embed yeah, sort of yeah. arbitrary javascript in it yeah that's can, that's what i was gonna say is i think anything anything that i need that is deeper than that if i need to if i need to learn a little css or javascript i can probably learn as much as i need of that without yeah, too, I mean, too much of a problem when i was messing with twine i wanted a particular layout and it took me a couple hours to get to to beat CSS into submission to get what I wanted, and even then, I'm just CSS is fucking crappy. garbage. Nested tables and frames. Yeah, and it does <laughs> all you ever need. Tables. So that's a problem. Huh? There was no, there's no because you can't have links inside a table inside a twine. Huh. That's what I, that's exactly what I would have done. Wow. And I tried. Yeah. Gross. It was yeah. So the only way I could manipulate the location of links and stuff was through sort of wacky CSS stuff. And before you email us about this, the only possible objection that you could have to nested tables for layout is that you are some kind of stupid hipster who thinks that only the newest thing works as opposed to the most reliable thing. <clears throat> yeah, tables? like <laughs> For life. Nested tables for life. Are great. They are great. That's our gang. It's true. It's like, oh. uh, it's like, yeah. it's like the web equivalent of like that really nice heirloom furniture that you can only buy out in the hills of Pennsylvania from from whatever those guys are called that I can't think of the name of the at the Amish. moment. Yeah, and you shakers. can like shake shakers, Quakers. Yeah. Uh, you could you can burn your entire house to the ground and that furniture will still just be sitting there pristine. It will yep. still be as, as shiny and as sturdy hard as, the, as the day it was built. Uh, by by pure honest earthen folk. <laughs> earthen <laughs> folk. That's not a thing that you use to describe like the Amish. Right. Before you said heirloom furniture, I thought you were going to say heirloom tomatoes. Yeah, heirloom tomatoes. Those <laughs> last forever, too. Yeah. You know, really, if you burn your house down and it's full of heirloom tomatoes, you can come in and have a delicious baked tomato salad. Uh, that sounds awful. Just a bunch of hot tomatoes. Hmm. What is I mean, it? you could stir them around and you'd have spaghetti sauce, I guess. Huh. I mean, you'd have a boring spaghetti sauce. Well, uh, you could put some more stuff in it. I mean, may, maybe your oregano uh, DNA into it. Maybe, maybe your oregano DNA canisters are in there too. No. Um. Yeah, nested tables though. I, our gang, we need to get tattoos on our knuckles that are just like open bracket TD, 
close bracket, and then right. the other arm is open bracket <clears throat> TR. Did you see the guy that the wrong the, order? <laughs> the tattoo on the back of his head that was like cl- uh, close, like slash slash head, head yeah. Begin, uh, body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I did the same thing except I just have butt and slash butt above <laughs> and below my butt. That's, that'd be pretty funny, actually. Although no one would ever see it. Well, I guess I could change that. I guess if I was the kind of guy that had a butt tattoo, I could also be the kind of guy that showed everybody his butt. And I wouldn't even be the only guy in town at that moment on that intersection to just be randomly showing dudes my butt in this city. I Am I right? It depends on the city. Yeah. yeah. No, I would, I would go to uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. <laughs> right here, they go in for that kind of thing there. They're, they're fond of Lakes. lack of pants. There's a guy in my... Uh, high school that uh, he was one of the punk rock dudes and uh, I ran into him one day and said hey what's new and he said oh I got a new piercing in my dick you want to see no that was sort of how every conversation with that dude went but he was a funny guy that's all he ever wanted to show you was different dick piercings Mm. was his name dick Pearson by any chance (laughs) (laughs) it's possible that he had a crush on you Riffin that these were like opening lines that you just were totally rebuffing and oh, uh, hmm. you just made him very sad. It's like, this piercing tastes great. <laughs> <laughs> like strawberries. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What is a, what is a, do you think a punk rock dude bathes? Hmm. Would you trust a punk rock dude with a genital piercing? To do what? I don't know. Keep it clean. I don't know what you have to do with your genitals pierced. My, my parents elected not to give me a genital piercing right after I was born, so I never, you know, because dad didn't have one. He didn't know how to teach me to keep it clean, so, you know. I guess you could just mop it. It's all everything. Man, we went to, I took, uh, I took Emily to the dermatologist appointment for a, for a follow-up on her, having her ear removed, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a guy just head-to-toe covered in tattoos. It was great. His entire head and face were just... And why was such a gentleman at the dermatologist do that? I don't know. I can't imagine anything being wrong with that guy's skin. Um, maybe it wasn't a tattoo. It's like, what the fuck, Doc? What <laughs> is this? Where did this really come from? Detailed do you think rash. anybody has gotten a, a full body tattoo that is just uh, a very accurate um, anatomy map? Hmm. And then do you think that? that oh, like slim, slim good yeah, body. Slim, slim good. If body. he if he got that suit tattooed all over his body. I just assumed that he did and that he was always, like, he was mostly just a guy who wanted to show kids his dick. <laughs> um, but then would he, like, rent himself out to medical schools and stuff? Hmm. hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that that would be any better than just a picture? Because the thing is, you can't really, like, if you get a tattoo of your liver on the front of you, you can't, like, really go around to the side and see what the liver looks like from the side, right? <laughs> You're just seeing a picture of the liver from the front from the side. So it's not... Well, it depends on how you how you handle it. Well, this is like saying let's suspend a sphere in the middle of this in the middle of a room, and then on every side of the sphere, just draw what it looks like on the other side of the the sphere. You can't do that. There are no, you can't. That is correct. But there are interesting um, paintings on like ceilings of chapels that give you the sense that there are like these cool cupolas or whatever in there but it's just a flat ceiling or vice versa sure there's those there's those sidewalk drawings where it looks like it's at a a giant hole yeah, things yeah. have fallen into yeah. is that the, the strange chasms what's that called is that the trump oil 
That's a, is that, that, that is a that French is? term meaning to fool the eye. I don't know if that... I feel like that's... What about the Arc de Trump? Yeah, the Arc de Trump loyal. Deloitte. Is that how you... Trump Deloy? Trump Loy, yeah. Okay. Oh, man, I don't know. I didn't know. Taking no French. It's Arc de Triomphe and Trump Loy. Okay. Uh, but I, don't, I thought that that was a particular thing and not just any case of that happening. I thought that was like the name of a... It's only when, like, you, it's it only like, when you've, you've got a, a fake trumpet. Okay, or a, fo- a photograph of Donald Trump that right. looks much larger than it actually is. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, no, but seriously, I think of that as being a term that is not like a general... Like, Trump loy is not like perspective. It's more like gesso. Is, is it? <laughs> it's an art term that means a specific thing, like a bas-relief or a, you know... I think uh, I'm under the impression it just refers to any art that uses perspective in such a way as to deliberately trick you into not necessarily fool to fool you, but to make it look as much as possible like you're looking at a real thing. Mm. So just I might, any, I might be wrong. Any art. It's an art technique that uses realistic imagery to create the optical illusion that depicted objects exist in three dimensions. So is perspec is just perspective in general an example? Forced perspective of per- is a comparable illusion in architecture. Huh. Yeah, this is an example of yeah. So okay. the thing that I was talking about with the with the domes sure. that aren't actually there is uh, in Vienna. So that's much broader. That's much broader than I thought it was. Anyway, I wish I had learned more about art history. <laughs> it's so it's so useful in day to day life. Well, that would be this conversation. I mean, we need we need to make a lot of jokes about a lot of random shit. Sure, and some there's some history majors that play our video games. Thank goodness for Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. I guess I could just do a Google search for art history. Right. <laughs> just there's this guy whose name is Art History. He's related to uh, mm-hmm. women's history. Well, I was gonna say Art Garfunkel. I know That's you not were. How relation? I know you were. Anymore. I know you were, and I know it's not. <clears throat> Have you guys been playing any video games? About how relationships work. I, I still, I, I, what, have you been doing anything this past week? No. We haven't even, no? Nothing? Do you, I don't know, have I? You're I the one that writes all that shit down. I, well, so I was going to say that I have been uh, reading the Ryan North To Be or Not To Be book. Ooh, how's that? Oh. It's pretty good, cool. actually. My copy um, hasn't arrived yet, but it should be here soon. You probably, you probably backed at a higher tier, and those are going out later. Mm, that well, could be. that's lame. Yeah. How's the 1% supposed to feel about this? Uh, like, they get shafted, apparently. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. I've, I've been trying to be quasi-exhaustive. Um, and I don't know how successful I'm going to be in that. You should ask him to redo it as a twine game so that you could just look at the whole map. There is going to be a PDF, I think. I believe he laid it out in Twine, so I, th- I think he did at some point show off the Twine map. I mean, you couldn't read it from it because it was zoomed out too far, but it was it was big. They did. He did make a poster of all of the the choices uh, that also it looks like a skull or somebody. He had hmm. somebody do that. Um, nice. I would I would think that Twine would be a pretty good tool for laying out a print Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how you would format the printing from it, but yeah. Well, I mean, you I do a lot of copy. Not. You do a lot of copying and pasting, right? I mean, you'd you'd go and and um, oh, there's probably something that will output a twine 
Yeah, story somebody's probably single. thought of that and made a script or something that'll do it. There's a handful of, of choices that you make that result in nearly identical blocks of text with a couple of variables changed uh, um, because you did something subtly different. Um, but they, they sometimes diverge pretty wildly from there. So hmm. You switch back and forth between a bunch of different characters in the book, which is sort of interesting. Do you get to get stabbed behind a lot of heiresses? Uh, I haven't actually gotten there. There was a there was a big diversion where uh, you become Ophelia and just kill everybody, <laughs> like everybody in the town, like everybody in the surrounding towns. There's a lot of gruesome uh, murders and death uh, that I've seen so far. I liked the uh, the idea that uh, I mean I haven't read it yet, but he mentioned it in the Kickstarter that the. Uh, the play within a play bit in Hamlet is represented in this as a as another choose your own adventure book inside the choose your own adventure book. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> so. I have not, I've not, I've gotten to where that starts, but I've, I was like, I'm not gonna, I don't want to go into that yet. I want to save that. So. so, are you just reading all of the threads, sort of sequentially? <sighs> kind of. I've got, I've got, you know, a bunch of fingers stuck in different pages. I was wondering why you were carrying that book while we're recording. What? Because well, I've got my fingers, fingers stuck in the pages? Yeah. yeah. Um, you should, we should sell box of fingers for <laughs> I, I think he actually had a, a, a bookmark that had four separate bookmarks attached to the same, same sort of top, which I thought was kind of cute. Um, I don't know if he sold it. It was like one of the one of the rewards. That seems like it wouldn't work because what if you wanted to go to one of the ones in the middle? It's I don't know. I you know it, it might be more of a gimmick than a practical thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, dude, I don't know. Uh, fingers work pretty well. I have I have a couple actual bookmarks in there right now, which are the two main branching points that I was everything was sort of splitting off from. Anything else? Uh, that's the only like sort of I think relevant thing. Choose your own adventures, mm-hmm. or it's like a choosable video. path adventure, as he it's said. It's like a video game. It's like a video game. Only not patented by Atari. <laughs> Who owns the patent on the the words choose your is own it, adventure? A, is it a patent or just a trademark? I guess it would be a trademark, huh? Yeah. Not a patent. I don't know. Probably some publishing house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scholastic. Maybe. <laughs> Um, I don't remember if I've done anything or not, so I'm just going to say no. Okay. And ask you guys if you've played any video games, like I did ten minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> Rip. Um, pretty much all I've played this past week has been Minecraft, because we, uh, or I, I guess, installed the, uh, the Mistcraft mod onto our server, which adds the ability to collect about 150 different... Uh, mystical symbols and use them to create new universes inside Minecraft. So we've been all running around trying to find all the symbols and making weird worlds with blue grass and uh, giant tendrils of of uh, nether quartz or just shooting out of the ground and all kinds of crazy stuff. You also used it to link like our old maps and stuff. Yeah, to the same one of the server. one of the. Um, sort of <clears throat> side benefits. There's no real easy way to do it from within the mod. You have to do you have to do some like 
map resource editing to get it to work. But since this is uh, the main feature of this mod is it sets up a way for Minecraft to be aware of more extra dimensions than just the, the nether and the end, then that basically means that you can take an entire different map that you've played in single player or multiplayer and drop it into one of these other dimensions. So, wow, yeah. so did you actually take all of our old multiplayer servers and move, like all three of them? Were there three of them? No, just the just, just the most two. recent one because the other I think it was just one before that, but it might have been but anyway, the ones the ones before the prior one uh were uh, Way too we're old. too just too old. the The map format has changed too much since then for it to work. Hmm. Huh. But, well, now I'm kind of intrigued. Although I I am not at all interested in the idea of trying to get fucking mods to work in Minecraft. Like, it's, it's, when I was recovering from surgery, I managed to over the course of like four hours get Mistcraft to work single player. A long time ago, the most recent uh, the the Minecraft uh, like one six two or or one point six or whenever when they put in the new the new launcher that has made things way way easier in in that regard. And I've I put like really easy step by step instructions on our yeah, but it's like four hundred pages of really easy step by step instructions. Like I looked at it and I was just like, "Ah, I'm never going to do. Yeah, the but the modding instructions are like half a page. All the rest of it is just. Especially hey, hey, guys! Here's how, how here's how Mistcraft works, you know, and yeah. you can you can read as much or as little of that as you want. But at this point, in order to even log on to our sort of group server, you have to have the mod installed because it won't even load otherwise. Right. right, you have you do have to have the mod installed, but installing the mod is pretty easy. Right, but it's uh, my my problem with keeping mods on Minecraft is like now there are, instead of like instead of the server being broken every time Minecraft changes something it's going to be broken every time Minecraft or any of the mod software people change something. Like, I don't know. Right, but it doesn't change, it doesn't break automatically on its own. I mean, when the next version of Minecraft comes out, what'll happen is that I just won't update the server until everything else associated is also out, and so we'll just be playing a version behind for an extra week or whatever. Unless we accidentally update. Like, it's, I don't know. The the new Minecraft launcher lets you choose what version of Minecraft you're using. Oh, does it keep the old ones installed? Uh, I think it either does or it will it will download the old versions as you need them. Hmm. Wow. Well, okay. I, I I am interested in having a single unified Minecraft world that contains whatever crazy new worlds I create. Yeah, that's and pretty cool. Yeah. Also, all of our old ones. But I also, I mean, I would feel, I mean, I guess as the administrator, you could always just teleport me back to the normal world. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if I, you if you accidentally get, get lost without a licking book home, the, basically the worst that can happen is that I'm on an opposite sleep schedule from you, so you have to wait 12 hours for me to, to wake up and, and log in at the same time as you and teleport you home. So it's no big deal. Are there uh, are there uh, mist worlds that are just entirely made out of various colors of clay to make it really easy to farm uh, building materials? Um, I don't think that the uh, the clay has has its own uh, symbol for some reason. Some there there are some some of the materials. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, some of the materials are not 
available as modifier blocks. Like you can't get a load of easy redstone or, or lapis for some reason, but you can get iron and nether quartz. So I don't, I don't know what the difference between that is, but how, how you can... How different is it than it was when we first talked about this like a year ago? What's that? How different is Miscraft than it was? I mean, it seems like fundamentally uh, he's, changed. Yeah, he's been are... done. Yeah, he has gone through several versions. Uh, he, he altered the writing system a bit um, and added a bunch of new stuff. Uh, I'm not sure what version you were playing in so i don't i i don't know what to tell you what all is new it basically every time every world that i made almost always was like poisonous somehow yeah okay yeah he he did change it so that um the the way it works the way the way the reason you got that then was that um when you didn't provide enough information or uh, like the the system had to fill in the gaps in your writing on its own. It gave you a bunch of uh, instability as a result, as sort of a punishment for that. And it doesn't do that anymore. Instead, it it uh, it uh, it randomly fills in. He like coded some sort of. I don't know if it's proper to call it an AI, but he he coded up some kind of system that can dynamically create random uh, uh, random worlds without having any uh, conflicts that cause instability so now the only way you get those poison effects and stuff is if you happen to roll a world that has like a ton of free iron ore everywhere and that happens really rarely so uh, for the most part the random ages are totally safe now hmm. so these poisonous worlds can you survive them or are they just impossible uh, if you had enough I guess healing potions, you could survive it for a little while. Oh, also, I think most of those, I don't know if poison was one of them, but most of those kinds of effects only hit you if you were, uh, if you were outside exposed to the open sky. So I think, I think if you went underground, you probably would, would not be hit mm -hmm. by the poison. I think it was less like poison damaging health than like everything is like shaking around like when you're going into a portal because you're nauseous oh yeah, yeah. Or whatever. yeah that was, was definitely one that was limited to open sky yeah. that one and the one that causes you to just catch on fire <laughs> yeah that was a pretty good world too well fuck guess I'm gonna have to do that yeah there's neat stuff for you to learn about yeah I'm I, I miss Minecraft I haven't played it in a long time mm -hmm. What have you been playing? Uh, this past week, uh, I played a couple of games. Um, the only new game that I that I wrote down in my notebook was uh, Card Hunter, the beta. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it is a a well designed game, and I really appreciate the the theming and and sort of the yeah the theme and the writing is nice. Yeah, but it's it is just a style of game that I basically have no interest in. It's mm -hmm. it's a combination of two games that I'm not particularly excited about, which is a computerized version of a trading card game and a tactical combat game. Um which both of those things are things that I don't generally care about. Um but uh <clears throat> other than that, it seems like it's pretty cool. Like I like the idea of pieces of gear effectively 
altering what your deck build is. Yeah, um, that was interesting. So you're not you're not building a deck from scratch. It's based on, you know, yeah. these boots give you these three cards, and those boots give you those three cards. Right. It's pretty um, cool. And yeah, I don't know. The so the notion that you that you have like areas to adventure in, but those get exhausted after one. Um, victory in them every day or whatever is kind of interesting but i don't know like does that mean you just you like every day you effectively get more and more areas that you can go back and farm well they uh they stop being they stop being worth farming after a while i think it if you if you out level up a zone by only a couple of levels it becomes pretty much worthless you can't just that you don't still you don't still get drops and and gear that you could sell you well selling gear gives very little back Hmm. compared to how much gear costs yeah it seemed like the costs scaled up real fast yeah um you know again i only played it for half hour or hour um but uh, other than that i went back and played a couple of games uh on my iphone that had gotten updates like new level packs and stuff like that um i played uh flow which they included a, a pack that included the bridges. Flow is like the sort of like puzzle game where you're connecting colored dots on a grid. You oh, to use yeah, every yeah. square. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they had a they had a game that was like a sequel. What it was called? I think it was called Flow Bridges or Flow with Bridges or whatever. I think that one was a pay game. And they they mix it up by having a couple of places where the paths can cross. So it's like more like a circuit diagram kind of and that definitely increases the complexity of the available puzzles but um not insurmountably and i thought it was i thought that was a nice sort of addition to the the mechanics that they had available to them uh and then i played the new cut the box not cut the box cut the rope levels the cheese cheese box was the new box um so every box has like a different theme you know like wait is are we talking about cut the rope cut the rope the box cut the rope okay has a new box called cheese the cheese box so cut the rope has boxes yeah that's each each set of levels is inside a different themed box okay so the newest one is the cheese box which has um, a mouse that pops out of these holes and will move the candy around if it gets access to it um it's pretty it's pretty interesting and it's a predictable pattern so you can sort of figure out what's what's gonna happen Uh, and then i played the new bad piggies levels that came out um and they were great like they added a bunch of suction cups um both like sort of suction cups with cords attached to them so you can do sort of grappling hook kind of stuff and then also suction cup wheels so you can travel along ceilings and things it's pretty cool they just keep adding new mechanics to to mess around with Um, and they made it so that you there's a little bit of an incentive to go back to the sandbox levels if you've already collected all the 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 items in them to just mess around some more because they added like little pieces of cake which you can collect and then feed to the king to get power-ups huh so the power-ups would ostensibly help you finish a level if you were stuck like you can use super glue to keep your construction together more strongly or you can supercharge the motors that you have available so that things go faster or whatever um it's, it's neat you know the game is the game is really good and yeah, I, I haven't popped back into it since the first little 
for right. fair with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I hope that, I hope that it has made them m- money. I, you know, probably has not made them anywhere near the same money that Angry Birds did, but I, you know, I hope that the fact that this is a better game, um, resonates with at least some people, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I don't know what it is that people get out of playing a ton of Angry Birds, so I don't know right. if it is a better game for them. Yeah. Right? Because, I, I mean, true. it's a better game for us, but Castleville was a better game than Farmville for us. It might not be. And it didn't do as well because I, it was well, just later no in the, yeah. the cycle. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Zynga's popularity has waned tremendously, and I don't know if that is just the natural order of people getting bored with that style of game like it was interesting for a while and now it's time to move on to other brighter pastures or they might have also just run it too hot you know like too fast too furious yeah anything else nope that was it hmm. i played a bunch of uh i played a bunch more magic 2014 yeah, I saw you fight the last couple of battles. Yeah, beat those campaigns, and I went through and did another uh, another sealed deck uh, campaign, and that's pretty fun. Magic is a fucking good game. Did you uh, did you do the puzzle challenges? Yep. Yeah, I did. That was like one of the first things I did after I bought it. I yeah. wish that there had been a hundred of them. Yeah, I wish yeah. that there had been a hundred of them, and that they seemed the a lot easier were, than the previous. Yeah, ones. No, they really were, and you know, and I wish that was what I was about to say next was I wish there had been a hundred of them, and that they had you know each one of them had been twice as hard as the previous one. Yep. <laughs> With these being the easiest ones, you know, I guess the base set they choose the cards for the base set based on what has the sort of simplest mechanics and so it might just be really hard to write compelling puzzles mm, with the cards that they have available to them you know i don't really have a sense like do the puzzles have to have a single unique solution for them to be to work or could they have just be hard fights that you have that are solvable but mm, I, I mean know. there's I mean, I, there's one that was uh that was really open ended in in terms of like it was just it didn't even really have a fixed solution. It was just that this guy has one hit point left. How much damage can you do to him in one round? Oh, and I think you just as long as you did at least one point of damage, it marked it one. Interesting. Zach had this awesome combination of cards where at the end of his like second to last fight in the game, where he ended up with like. Uh, over a hundred health or something. Yeah, it was. <laughs> a, there's that that uh, white sort of. Uh, there's a there's a white deck that has a bunch of auras in it, and there was one that was like, you put an enchantment on this thing, and then whenever it deals damage to an opponent, your life doubles. Whoa! And that I had that on like a flying double strike monster, <laughs> so it was just like every time he, and he didn't doubles. have any flying stuff. That's so, kind yeah, of nuts. So it was just like every time my life every every round my life got multiplied by four i don't understand how that's balanced even a little bit <sighs> yeah i mean it's expensive so it's unlikely a game thing yeah i mean getting that out getting it on something that is not able to be blocked but like if you can if you can get it to hit it's just it just and it, you know i guess yeah i guess if it can't if it can be blocked then it's not doing that effect yeah, or you can, you know, there's any number of things that can dispel or an enchantment on a dude. Yeah, I mean, okay. I guess an aura is a different... It's an enchantment, but it is labeled as an aura. It's like keyworded aura, huh. which I guess there's things that let you move those from 
monster to monster. That's yeah. The the way that equipment is handled seems kind of weird now. I mean, I guess it's before they. I guess formalizing that is it's like an artifact that is an aura that doesn't go away when the monster goes away. Right. Maybe. Um, oh, weird. So, so you like pay you one to put this equipment. sword in play, and then this sword has one colon attach this to a monster. That monster gets one plus one plus one, for instance. Hmm. And then you can pay that to move it from one. Like what that does is when you have one of those out, it just makes it cause even more timers to pop up because there's all of these opportunities <laughs> for you to activate that when normally the game would go way faster because you couldn't activate anything. Can you attack with it and then move it and attack with it and then move you it? You only get one attack phase so no okay so you have to designate all of your attacking yeah cards all at the same time yeah um i don't know you know just playing playing more of that just it's cemented even further in my mind the idea that magic the gathering is just a fucking great game it's pretty good yeah uh let's see what else did i play i played i played like i don't know maybe three hours of the incredible adventures of van helsing which is just like a it's like a $15 on Steam Diablo-like. Huh. Um, you, you only have one. You don't like pick a character class. You only have one dude and one set of abilities. And it's got kind of a confusing... The, you spend your skill points on the ability to like power up either your left-click ability or your right-click ability, depending on what you have socketed. And the power-ups are... I guess they... It's like you have a certain amount of rage that builds up, which is a different uh, thing than your mana, and that rage goes into adding up to three charges of up to three different modifiers for each skill. These little, like, steam piston things that, that extend out from it, and you can, you can hotkey, like, the space bar. You can set the space bar to do a particular configuration of those power-ups, on a given ability, but I think it does it on both of them at the same time, and I was never really clear when it spent the rage and like Weird. what indicates whether you can you could. It was. It seemed like. Yeah, I don't know. It. It. I mean, it seemed like maybe there was a manual that I could read that would make it make some sense, and I and it <laughs> sort of made me appreciate more how dumbed down Diablo three is. Um. But it's, you know, it's, it, I don't think that the levels are randomly generated, or at the very least, they were, I, like, left and came back to this one game, and they were the same. Hmm. Um, there seemed to be quite a bit going on, like a lot of little side quests and a lot of little things to discover and different things to mess with, but... Um, was yeah, it I don't know, generating I was, random loot as far as you could It tell? was, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was playing it on, I was playing it on a, on a harder difficulty because it's like, oh, this just makes, this makes it harder, but all the loot's better. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That give me a chance to see more of this stuff. But then I just ended up spending a ton of time just like kiting dudes around because it was very difficult to, potions are all, healing potions are over time instead of instantaneous. And so it was like, eh. And you have this weird like ghost lady that follows you around who acts as the like torchlight pet which will you know send you can send her back to town to buy potions and stuff which I just I that is hailed as this innovation that torchlight came up with in that formula and I just wish it wasn't there like I just don't like having another thing that I have to like manage the equipment on and stuff like it's I just I wish it was like an optional thing I mean, isn't it effectively just extra equipment slots? 
Well, no, because I mean, I think that like you know, your dog in Torchlight or whatever will it'll attack stuff, and so whatever you have equipped on it. I mean, I guess it's like your henchman in you know, it didn't really bother me in Diablo two that there was always that girl with the bow and arrow. You had to put gear on her. I mean, that's right. like just I you know, I don't know. I just like controlling a dude when I'm playing an RPG. Uh, what if you could like mount cannons on your shoulders that would fire? Autonomously, enemies, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Just like passive shoulder cannons. But is that not fundamentally the same? Like, is not mechanically the same as having a dog that will go around and bite? People? Well, if the dog, if the cannons could get blown up and you had to heal them separately, then it would be. You know, if okay, if like there were interface conveniences that were afforded to you by turning the cannons off for a two-minute countdown mm-hmm. while your cannons ran off to spend your skill points for you or whatever right. I mean it's uh, like yeah I don't know um, I played a little bit of drop chord which I did not understand that it's chord in the sense of a line from one part of a circle to another and not because oh. it is kind of a you know it's a game with music but it's not a music game oh, I, thought, I assumed that it was a music game it's kind of rhythmy it's like, it's like basically you put two fingers on the screen and it draws a line from the points. There's a circle in the middle, and it draws a line from the points of the, on the circle that are closest to your fingers that just goes across the whole circle. And then there are things that you have to avoid and things that you have to collect with that line segment. And so you're just doing a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, now I gotta suddenly my thumbs are in the way so I can't fucking see anything. Um, hmm. So that's pretty cool. I only played like five minutes of it. It was. I played a game of it, and it was so easy and ramped up so slowly that I was super, super bored before it got hard enough to really be engaging. It's like Dungeon Stories first level or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and like a game like it. It it's inspired by Super Hexagon, but whereas a game of Super Hexagon lasts five or ten or maybe forty-five seconds if you're really fucking good at it. Right. This was like. Jesus, I have been done pooping for a long time. I just want this game to be over. Like, um, do you think Super Hexagon is it's important to play it on a touchscreen device? Or I thought you were going to ask if it was important to play it on a toilet. Is the is the PC version of it acceptable? I don't know because it's a Steam game too, right? Like, I mean, I think it was originally just a Flash game. I like, I feel it? like I played that game months, if not years, before it came out on iOS and huh. became the phenomenon that it was. Um, no, I don't think it's important. Really, the controls are just either left or right, right? So I feel like you could just do it. Oh, with, it's just rotating with it's a not, keyboard. You're not okay. Well, for Super Hexagon, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't am I? I'm not wrong about that, am I, Riff? No, that's right. Uh, um, you know, it's sort of like the pinball machines where your only real interactions are either touch the left side of the screen or touch the right side of the screen. Which, and then I also uh, I bought. Uh, the new PC release of Spelunky, which I'm pretty excited about. It's kind of a, a lot of my like Spelunky muscle memory was still there, which I found kind of surprising because I didn't remember much about <laughs> Spelunky, but it was still like, oh, I know, I know where to stand to throw this rock at this bat. Remember the, the tile sets are, you know, I like the pixel art a lot in the original, and but this one has so much more variety of it's not no longer stuff. Pixel it's no, it's no, it's very, it's it's like scalable. It's it's very cartoony now, just a lot more detail in things. But uh, I don't know. I can see getting back into it. 
that whole daily challenge thing is just so how'd you do today? so appealing i didn't do i didn't try it i only i played through the tutorial which is like a billion times better than the original spelunky tutorial oh yeah uh, i guess i should give it another shot everyone everyone loves it so much but i never i don't know i never really understood the the joy Ah, oh, boy, I got so into it when we did it as an assignment. It took me a lot of tries. It took me several iterations of, God damn it, I know that this is a good game. I need I need to learn how to how to appreciate it. Like mm-hmm. I, it'll make me a better person if I get into this game for a while. <laughs> you know, it's like somebody who just brushes off the binding of Isaac. Like, you're not allowed to do that. You sorry. I'm not talking to you <laughs> until you get your shit together and get super into the binding of Isaac for a few months, and then we can be friends again. Anyway, uh, how, have you played anything besides uh, Minecraft Rift? Not really. I mean, uh, well, there's this website that I spent way too many hours at called SaltyBet.com. Have you guys heard of this? I think I, Jeff Gerstmann sounds familiar. Yeah, it. I, yeah. It was like somebody's Twitter. It's um, what it is. Is I guess there's a there's a one versus one fighting game engine called uh, Mugen. Which, <clears throat> excuse me, what it does is um, it lets you customize and create your own fighting game characters. So, like, you can grab the art from, you know, grab the sprites from some actual game, or you can just make your own with MS Paint or whatever, and then assign the animations. You know, you make the animations and you assign the hitboxes and move list. And then, if you really want to get deep into it, you can code AI for it so you can fight against these characters. Okay. And what um, saltybet.com is, is it is a constant video stream of just fight after fight of just two randomly selected AI fighting game characters that people have submitted. They've submitted like like 1,500 of these things are, are available in the pool to be drawn from. And it just fights these two AIs against each other and you can bet fake money on the outcome. <laughs> and there's a, uh, there's a chat um, which is full of people shouting all the time as though they were watching a, a, an actual sporting event with live people. And the, the betting is weighted odds. So how much money you make on a bet is based on how many other people bet against you. So right. everyone in the chat is always lying about what fighters are good. <laughs> and huh. then sometimes something will happen like, uh, like I guess, the, the main superman that would occasionally show up this superman character that somebody made was extremely overpowered like all his attacks were one hit knockouts so somebody else submitted another superman using the same art but much shittier ai and so when he when he came up in a fight like half the people uh, like all the people that had actual money went all in on superman and everyone that was down to their last 10 salty bucks or whatever just put three dollars on the underdog for hoping for the chance of a 1000 to one odds 
And then when Superman loses, the chat just went batshit insane. It was <laughs> kind you, of hilarious. Do you get a, a, a bankroll to begin with and then you yeah, pay you get, them for you more? Yeah, you get $400 to begin with and the minimum that you can bottom out at is uh, $10, which they call the salt mines. So you, you always have $10 minimum. Huh. So yeah, it's really weird. They play really good music. Uh, all the like the background music, it's really varied. The, I've heard like the theme from Ghostbusters. I've heard uh, Master <laughs> Onion from Parappa, and I've like everything from. Uh, so they're just uh, stealing music. To yeah, free. basically, they're just playing okay. MP3s. But it's wow. re- all really good MP3s. There's been like really good drum and bass and hip hop and smooth jazz this morning. <laughs> They have not yet played any song that I didn't think was at least pretty good. So Mm. that's that's kind of astonishing. But yeah, it's just a really weird experience of just watching these insane AI matchups of like, I don't know, like Psylocke from the X-Men versus a hand-drawn MS Paint uh, Homer Simpson. And... (laughs) And you look up and it's like four hours later and you've been sitting there watching this madness. Riff, this is strange. Yeah, it's very strange. It's, <laughs> it's, worth, it's worth having a look at if, if, uh, if, if you're not worried about finding it over compelling and destroying all your free time. You should post a link to it on the uh, forums for, for our listeners. It's just uh, salty... <clears throat> excuse me. Riff, you Salt, should post a link on the forums for okay. our listeners. Jesus. Okay. You're so lazy that you can't type something, you just say What, it what you times? mean is post it for our non-listeners, well, because the, the listeners know about it now. Yeah, but maybe the listener is on the fucking subway and they can't type saltybet.com into the, I don't know, their whatever they're using their, to listen their to. Their subway handhold strap? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That leather. They can't type this into that vinyl strap. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you uh, there are a bunch allows of you to expose other people to your armpit. That download the show, they record it onto audio cassettes, right, and listen to it on a walk. <laughs> listen to it wax on a cylinder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that would be that would be pretty great if somebody if somebody encoded an episode of the show onto wax cylinder and sent it to us. If any of you out there have a wax cylinder machine. I mean, they would have to include a bunch of ice if they were mailing it to Arizona because... Oh, that's true. Or somebody could just mail us like a box of melted wax and say, hey, here's that wax cylinder you asked for. (laughs) And then we would think it was our fault when, in fact, we had just gotten punked by Ashton Kutcher, who sent us a bag of wax. I used to work work at this internet service provider, and there was a guy who would come in all the time and uh, just talk he was just like one of those old guys that would talk your ear off about stuff but uh, everything was the whole bag of wax i don't know what uh, what <laughs> metaphors he was mixing but there's the whole ball of wax yeah and there's apparently there's a whole bag of something but it was just Cats. Uh, such and such such and such and the whole bag of wax whole bag of wax uh, all right So uh, in the in the news so far, uh, Kevin, I'm sorry that I drank all your girlfriend's beer. Yeah, it's the only thing that's cold. I mean, not anymore since we've had a bunch of beer in the fridge. No, it was still warm as shit. I tried. I tried, bro. Sorry, wasn't my fault. <clears throat> it wasn't your fault that you couldn't plan ahead to put yeah. the beer in the fridge. No, exactly. Well, I wasn't drinking tonight until you were like, "Hey, I put some beer in the fridge for you." I was like, "This is gross. I'm gonna drink some of your girlfriend's beer instead." Fuck. 
What's in the news? Well, um, there was a bunch of talk uh, earlier this week about EverQuest Next. Um, to me, it sounds like a bunch of vaporware promises. So I felt similar about a lot of those announcements until I read somewhere, that, the, and this was a little bit buried, that it's actually two games that they are releasing under the EverQuest Next banner, and one of them has the like deformable user user yeah. user destroyable terrain and permanent or semi permanent effects on the world, and the other one is way more gamey. Hmm. Huh. I didn't hear that. Gamey is in roadkill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just like a just like you you shoot a deer with a with a bow and arrow. Okay. I mean, so the presentation that I saw was talking about like virtual ecosystems and it was it it was sounded eerily like the discussion that Raf Coster had with us when we went out to dinner oh, with him yeah. and was just talking about like, you know, orc encampments that you know, that maybe you kill them and then the wolf population that they had been keeping down sort of gets out of control and they start rampaging around and you have to kill them and then the the rabbit population goes nuts and which brings in the ogres who like rabbit meat and stuff. And like, it just like that idea, it sounded like, but you know, in an MMO, well, with modern sort of technology. So modeling that for player experience rather than for sort of systemic ecosystem realism. What does it mean for, for for there to be a player experience when there are hundreds or thousands of players on the same server interacting with these systems, right? Like, shit still will be going on you'll have no idea why because player a did something and your player z you know you could but you could in like i think there has to be a bunch of sort of bespoke written stuff to do for there to be any kind of like story engagement right but i think you could do some world engagement stuff mm-hmm. where it's like you know you can just the parts of the world are designated as wilds and it just has like you know goblins set up camps in different places and here's a cave and sometimes it's like you know level four snakes in this cave and sometimes it's level nine bears in this <laughs> the cave way that and- they described it was that the whole world was like that and the idea was that you would help build you know you'd help defend areas and build cities and then goblins would come and invade the city and potentially just burn it to the ground and you'd have to go somewhere else to try to you know make a different hmm. establish you know establish a different life somewhere else or whatever like sounds like eventually everything is going to be burnt ruins well no because people will keep because other if you don't build a blacksmith shop then you have nowhere to get your armor repaired right i mean i i think that i am as cynical about this stuff as you are probably more so but i i don't want people to stop trying oh sure right i'm just thinking that like people have wanted to do this for a long time and tried and failed in almost every case and so them promising this is a little sort of you know pie in the sky hubris inducing i mean guild wars 2 went a little ways down that road right and it and it didn't i don't think it was the messiah that everybody was was claiming it was going to be right tale in the desert has some of that too but they have the advantage of entirely rebooting the game every year or so right well i mean which is you know for a new mmo like why not Sure. Yeah, could totally I mean, be a if, they can get, if they can get the players to accept it. I think it should be possible to do that if you can 
keep some stuff like some like legacy hand-me-down stuff yeah exactly i mean i so imagine imagine an mmo let's make an mmo where the world is just minecraft Mm -hmm. so you can fuck it all up right anybody can just fuck up all the shit and we you pre-generate some stuff you know you have some you have some you generate a certain number of like goblin leaders or whatever and they go out into the world and they establish bases at at world generation time and everybody starts with nothing in the first time around you do whatever you want but then every three weeks say there is this end game thing and then when you when the next world starts up you can take some some fraction of your stat points or maybe all your stat points right like you can continue to be a high level player to go into the next one and then you can take any five items from the previous world like you would decide what had value to you I mean you wouldn't be able to do like raid bosses that dropped uh, you know you wouldn't be able to like have everybody in your guild go get totally geared up and then just have that forever right so you you know you might not it's hard to tell what people would place value on right if you could choose to keep some things like if you choose to keep any any of the things like which things are you going to keep I mean, is a and stack like, of diamonds yeah. more valuable than a suit of enchanted armor i mean that could that would be an excellent question and right. one to pose to the to the players right sure. i mean it, i think if it was fun people would keep playing it sure you know i mean i would if you presented that to me right now just some sort of a some sort of a like persistent world minecraft thing and it cost you a dollar to play for a week and you got to play in this world that was there for a week and so on the first day people you know, build towns and stuff, and that you know, and and that, let's say there's a recipe for building a blacksmith shop, and then there's right. a recipe for upgrading a blacksmith shop. So people are like, oh, we need to go dig a mine somewhere so that we can do all this stuff. And like, I think that would be fun. And there's not that much time for people to turn everything into a fucking cock and balls. Collaborative, <laughs> collaborative crafting of towns and castles and stuff would be kind of awesome. I mean, if if we could play on a server that was just the ones of us that don't ruin everything on our multiplayer Minecraft servers, like trying to do things in a sort of like normal fantasy idiom and not, uh, you know, this is fucking a giant glass spaceship or whatever. Right. Uh, You know, that'd be great. But I, I still, I think that somewhere out there is a compromise between absolute control over what's going on and enough varied and, and, and expressive systemic stuff that, you basically could have Raph's dream, but it would still be fun for the players. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I am cynical, but but also secretly hopeful. At the same I mean, time. I don't think that it would be like if you if you could actually disperse people geographically. Mm-hmm. I think that you probably could in even like a the World of Warcraft engine if you had. 30 different starter towns for humans, right? That were just in these areas where there was like a certain number of caves and a certain number of ruins or whatever. I think you could probably just procedurally generate stuff for dudes to do that it's like, hey, I want you to go kill these guys in this in this ruin and it's a named guy that you go and then once you kill him, he's just dead, right? right? And it isn't until somebody else goes back and the the AI generates a quest for him to go, it was like, wait a minute, I just rescued your daughter. But like, no, because that guy wouldn't talk to you anymore and his daughter's there, right? Right, it's, you know, I, I think you could, I think you could procedurally generate a lot of stuff. I think you could have an MMO where 
stuff stayed dead when you killed it, and then new things moved in to the places, you know. There's, there's so much MMO stuff is hamstrung by this. Like, it's like this weird insistence on, like, there being a consensus between every player what there is in the world, and then yeah. that resulting... and but But then it's like... You also want everybody to be able to get the same fucking magic sword that they read about on the wiki. Right. So you have to do all of this, you know, just like immersion breaking, respawning shit. And I think that you could probably just ignore that a lot of the time. I mean, it no longer matters that Hogger respawns after somebody kills him, right? Because we killed him and then we left. Right. And as long as it doesn't happen while you're standing there, you know, and if, if you had Hogger... And because it gave you the quest to kill Hogger, it gave the next guy the quest to kill Chigger and Frogger, yeah, that were in wild, wildly disparate corners of the map, then we would never have seen Hogger respawn after we killed him. Right. Right? So, and you would never have to wait for it because it's not there for anybody but you. Or, or it is, but it's like nobody wants to... Blogger. Yeah, you have to go kill a blogger. Speaking of World of Warcraft... Yeah. Uh, you, this is something that you were interested in. I don't know much about it. Yeah, did you did you see that thing? Uh, I think it was posted on Kill Ten Rats, but it was basically Blizzard published this thing on their on their website that was all right. Here's this new patch, and here is a guide for what of what of the current expansion endgame content you actually need to do in order to gear up the fastest. And it was basically like, don't do any of the rep any of the rep gain stuff. Don't huh. don't bother. Don't do any of the faction grinds, grinds because we've put in ways for you to get for you to leapfrog that. And I thought it was I mean, this is clearly the way people approach it. This is what you do if you come in and you're like looking on the wiki to see what to do to get geared up fastest. Like it seems really strange to me that they published a guide to skipping this yeah. content that they all worked on. I don't know, it seems it seems like such a weird, like they are the only people that can pull off this crazy unsustainable thing that's making it so nobody's ever going to be satisfied with any other MMO because they're not going to have content to just burn through and throw away at this rate. But like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm interested in it. You know, reading that, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to patch WoW so that I can play it again. I am. Oh, I forgot. I also played a ton of Skyrim. Oh yeah. That's what I kept doing instead of playing WoW every time it came up. I am. I'm really amazed that Blizzard will throw away quests and and just continually shorten the leveling curve when some people really like that as mm. the game. You know. Well, like, I mean, is except for all the stuff that got lost in the Cataclysm. I mean, I think those quests still exist. It's just that. You're going to level... If, so if you want to go do gray quests, you can do them, but you're going you're gonna to get through a zone and half of the quests... Are gray. Are go, yeah, are going to go un, undone because they're gray unless you're deliberately sticking around longer than necessary. I mean, I went, I went back when I was playing WoW and got, finished every quest that I could. And that was before you could even turn on the option to show yep. exclamation. You just talked to every person. Yeah. You spoke to every NPC. Yeah, I was super excited every now and then when I would find like objects that started quests that I didn't know mm. about or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those were the lunatic. days. Um, 
John Carmack uh, announced that he is going to be splitting time between his now three companies. Uh, <laughs> Space Venture. Yeah, Armadillo Aerospace, which I guess is just now sort of on hold. Um, id Software. But the, his primary thing is he, he just moved over to Oculus as their CTO, <laughs> which that's kind of interesting because he is sort of the god of making cool graphics shit and if he's working on the oculus rift like that is kind of exciting yeah honestly. i've heard really good things about the oculus rift already yeah it's, it's really effective people are saying yeah i mean if it doesn't make you sick i think it it, yeah. it apparently is really cool um yeah i don't know i don't know if i want to have to sit there and actually turn my head to look around in a game I mean, there are certain ones that, like, it'd be good for some games, but not for others, I guess. I'm curious, like, how how it would be to play Minecraft using it. (laughs) Like, if if you hear a creeper behind you, you like turn, like, is it gonna like creep you out, or are you gonna turn all the way around and see it, and then like Mm -hmm. screw up because you're no longer facing your keyboard like what what happens in those situations you know i have a hard time imagining ever wanting to be i mean it's not that i don't think that other people should be able to do this if they want but like the idea that i am playing say amnesia the dark descent unable to see anything else that's going on in the room including like if my cat jumps onto the keyboard or onto my lap or you know if i heard that for the for the games that like if you're going to be looking around 360 degrees that you really need to be playing it with a controller and be able to stand up rather huh. than doing mouse and keyboard. Huh. Well, that, that just seems awful. The the article the article I read said that it was I mean it was okay doing it with keyboard but just not having the the freedom to turn around all the way easily and having having your your keyboard and mouse being in a static location compared to the angle that your body is set at made it a lot more awkward than being able to stand up and and actually turn around even if even if your controller was corded and you occasionally had to you know had to turn around the other opposite direction so you didn't get tied up huh. it was it was still a yeah, that's a, a that great improvement over over sitting at a keyboard. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of them. Yeah, um, I'd really like to play some exploration type games, like a like I think Skyrim would be really interesting. Potentially, but I mean, that, again, if you that, if you're trying to sit at a computer and a dragon comes up and taps you on the shoulder, you know. <laughs> in real life, if a real dragon comes right. well, up. Well, you won't know because yeah, you've got yeah, these right. goggles on. Right. So you'll uh, turn around and grab the, you'll think that you're grabbing your back scratcher, but you'll actually grab the bow and arrow that's sitting next to your desk, and then you've shot, you've plunged an arrow into your girlfriend's heart. Oh, jeez. That's yeah. rough. Uh, the only other thing that uh, I, I was excited about was that, um, so Spelunky came out today, on PC and Papers Please came out today. Oh yeah, yeah. On PC and then how were people playing that before? Was it just like press pre-releases yeah. or was there a beta? Yeah, it was. I think it was an alpha mm. or um, a beta. Might have been the IGF build for all I know. It's another one of those be. things like Cart Life that I just 
I'm glad that it exists, but I have no desire to play it at mm. all. And then next week, Gone Home is released. Yeah, I can't wait for that, man. Yeah, that's that would be another one that I'd be, really enjoy playing with the Oculus Rift, I bet. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's it's so much more laid back. Yeah. Yeah, it's but not... it's it's an immersion thing, though. If you've got that heavy environmental storytelling, then the better that you can simulate actually being in that location but it's not, makes I think it that more might, effective. That might belie the limitations of the actual... Because it's not like... It's not like crazy high detailed models and stuff, right? I mean, this is this is just like a couple dudes. I mean, it's four people, right? Mm. But it's. I mean, it doesn't not... have to be photorealistic. I don't think. I wonder how that would work with like being able to see behind cabinets and stuff. Like, there's a bunch of stuff where like a lot of the like flavor details are like notes that have fallen behind dressers and you know stuff that fell behind a stack of boxes and stuff. And like, you really have to sort of stretch with your character to get into the position where you can notice those things and I wonder whether you would notice those or if whether you'd end up skipping over them with a VR headset hmm. I mean depend, I guess it depends entirely on how the controls work with it Yeah, it seems like there are they've basically nailed down how to do like WASD and mouse for moving around a 3D space on a yeah. computer and suddenly having a billion different ways to handle that yeah with mm-hmm. a bunch a bunch of additional analog inputs that's the thing like it, in order to turn do you have to turn your head with a an oculus rift or do you still have the WASD and mouse but you can also look around because i can imagine that making me pretty i think it would be nauseous. i imagine it would be WASD for movement and you'd be turning your head instead of using mouse look Oh, God. Would be that my would guess. Fucking suck. To, because, like, in order to go up a spiral staircase, you just have to k- turn your head in four complete clockwise circles. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that seems that seems a problem. If that's yeah. true, I mean, it's like just the kind of shit where I'm constantly having to pick up my mouse and move it to the other side of the pad and right. keep swiping it over and over again. Which I feel like I just do that all the time. To to one, one solution is to just not use a mouse pad. Uh sure. If you no. Okay. I got my cool Beavis and Butthead mouse pad that my mom got me. It's true. My mom knows that I like Beavis and Butthead at some point, and so it, that is just the thing the where go-to. if she sees a Beavis and Butthead thing that would be of any use to me, she buys it and then saves it for the next birthday or, or Christmas, and so <laughs> just got all this Beavis and Butthead Moms stuff. like to fixate on stuff. Yeah, that's... It's like because they lose track of what your interests are after you leave home. And, I mean, the thing is, I feel like with us in particular... Because our interests are not, say, a, a particular sports team right. or whatever. Our moms, it's not that they've lost track of our interests. It's that they cannot comprehend our interests. Because it, sure. is, it is the specifics of a broad category that they do not care about or understand. Right. And don't, you know, it's not that they wouldn't be capable of understanding it. It's just that they don't fucking care because they're, you know, 60-year-old women instead of, right. instead of you know, bros playing cod blops with their bros cod blops yeah um yeah you've never played cod blops with me no i haven't i guess we're not really bros wow that sucks although we do work out together it's true yeah not not really that's not true at all we never actually spot each other okay i guess belaying is a kind of spotting yeah yeah and sometimes you're all like good job man and sometimes i'll like man that was good what you just that thing you just grabbed that was very. You got up higher, fast. 
Good job. And I was like, Jesus Christ, we're terrible at this. Yeah. We should not be. <laughs> we should just not be exercise. We should just be. Yeah. We should just both be like. We should have lollipops in our mouths the entire time we're climbing. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> and like pulling, a yeah. great idea. So that you couldn't talk, and if you fell wrong, you would just, just impale your yeah, brain, puncture your throat. <laughs> yep. Ah, but you'd impale your brain so deliciously, you'd be true. thinking about wild cherry as you died. That's probably true. Yeah, and it's like what, that's like how that, that's how that works, right? Because there's the part of the brain where you just insert something and you think yeah. about that. Thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. so many people die thinking about bullets. It's, <laughs> it's like kind of depressing. <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. Actually, do they are they thinking about bullets or are they just thinking about like ow? Or are they just thinking bullets? <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's like thought bullets. Because, I mean, a thought is inside your brain. So if there's a foreign object inside your brain, are you just thinking that? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So this assignment, it'll do. Yeah. 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 What did you, you guys think, like it? What would you think? I, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I did not end up uh, finishing it. I got to the boss, and I got through several forms of the boss, and then I put it down for a couple of days. And when I went back to it, my save game was gone. So I don't uh, know. I don't, I don't know what I did there, <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the journey. So I will probably go back and play through it again. Does the boss have a special attack that deletes your save game? Wow, yeah, maybe. Rough. That'd be pretty good. It, it was probably something I did. I probably got confused because there's like so many different versions of it. There, the Windows and the Mac and then the Steam and I don't know. Maybe I maybe I was trying to play it on a different way than I had initially. I don't remember. But whatever. Did you accidentally turn on clown saving instead of cloud saving <laughs> oh, and then no! murder the clown? No. Oh. Uh, I can't I can't even think about that. I like what, this what game a think? lot, Riff. I'm glad yeah. you. I'm glad you recommended it as a uh, an assignment. Um, I thought it was full of charm, and I thought that the puzzles were extremely well crafted. And mm-hmm. in general, you didn't like they didn't repeat things. Like it was re- respectful of my time and intelligence. Yep. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the overall structure of like the the conceit that you can finish the game with any two pair of um, tools is really cool. Oh, can you? I yeah, didn't apparently you can, apparently with any pair of, of power-ups of the three, you like can there is a, the There is a critical path yeah. to get through the whole thing. But, and it, they probably require some of those professional shortcuts, right? The like yeah. sequence break. Man, I don't think I, I think I might've gotten one or two of those, but so many of like, those. I just wow. What? Did you, so you <laughs> didn't do the master cave? I'm guessing. Uh, no, actually, I I intended to, but you can get to the boss without finishing everything, and I sure. don't think you can get out of being at the boss once you're in there. So I ended I up I ended up not true, yeah. getting back to the master cave. Master cave is hard as balls. It is. Yeah. It is really really rough. Yeah, I I, re- I went and looked in around in the first couple of rooms and just had no idea how it was even remotely possible to do what it seemed to be asking me to do. It requires on understand it requires you to understand a bunch of very subtle features of the mm. sort of rules that they have created with these various objects, and they're they're great and they're like everything is totally consistent, but yep. it's. And that's the weird thing. It's like you have all of the tools 
at your disposal, but you don't necessarily know that you like how to access them. The thing that I found was no, like because it's almost like the especially clever design of these puzzles made them less appealing to me really? because so I did not I did not play very much of this. I it like I understand the things that are good about it and why they are good and I understand that it is a really good really well designed thing I just didn't get into it hmm. and so I got you know I got the I got the fire sword I got the I got the teleport block I never did I never did get through enough of the castle to get the ice thing and so okay. I just didn't see very much of it um, but on the way back from the teleport castle the dungeon where you use that thing uh, there was uh, just an optional thing which I assume had a heart piece in it or heart, heart piece or a card usually um, there's like four four cards and a heart piece on the way back from each thing and I think I think that what this puzzle was was it was either trivially easy to solve it with the teleport wand and the ice wand mm-hmm. or there was a really difficult really timing intensive way that you could solve it with just the teleport wand and I tried and failed so many times to get the timing right on the teleport wand only solution that it it was like one of those puzzles that you don't know if you have the tools for or not, except mm-hmm. it's worse because you do have the tools for the crazy hard solution that you're maybe not up to the task of yet. Right. And that was like, ah, oh, God, I just, I, like, it, I wish, I wish I understood. Like, you are right. The graphics are charming. I don't, it drove me fucking crazy that the, Important objects in the game were in like an entirely uh, different art style than the background objects, the, the and I get stable. Yeah, it's like everything is in Dr. squiggle Katz. vision versus yeah, and and it's like I I understand like you know you need to differentiate these things right, and that's having them move as a way to draw your attention to them. But like that that bugged me a lot hmm. about hmm. it. I, you know, it, it went away after I played it for a few minutes. I just start kind of glossing over everything visually, but like yeah, I just you know. I, I like the art, I like the writing, but it just it just didn't grab me. I, I'm hoping that maybe this is a thing I can come back to at some point in the future. Because you're it's, right, it is it really is deep. It is definitely worth. It is definitely worth playing, and it is. I think it is very respectful of the player, and and the, for that I really give them props. <laughs> they they did a really really good job, um, and there's just a bunch of there's like a bunch of like hidden little flavor text by if, you, if you're really good at ex, or if you're really good if you're really thorough about exploring stuff like walking over certain objects or walking in front of things just yeah. gives you like little jokes and stuff they're just peppered around that totally unimportant but funny you know I, I i really really appreciated the game i highly recommend finishing the master cave because you unlock a uh like a concept art gallery concept thing. art gallery yeah. where they talk a lot about the sort of progression of design of the game oh, i would like to look at that on your computer yeah it's yeah. it's really cool uh you know and i'm i am super like it sounds like this game was a long time in the making many many years of different kinds of art style attempts and just like redoing a bunch of design it, like it seems like this was a labor of love over a long period of time with, with a bunch of people how many dudes there were at least six or eight, I think, hmm. doing different things. Was it a company that already had other stuff out? That or was I don't it just know. guys doing it in their spare time? I don't or? know. That that I didn't I didn't I didn't actually read a bunch about it like externally, so 
is just sort of what I gleaned from the design doc notes and uh, um, the website when I got it when I bought it the first time. So yeah, I bought it. I bought it on their website because um, they said they had a Steam key. You could get the it was like the humble thing where you could get the Steam key plus the whatever. And I was just gonna play it on Steam, but the, apparently the Mac version isn't on Steam. You have to download that direct. Huh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Which well, seems weird to me. I don't know how. I don't know why they wouldn't have the Mac version on Steam. It was impressive to me. Like, Sokoban, you would think, was pretty exhaustively explored as a gameplay element. Right. And they introduced several pieces of really genuine mechanical novelty into this. Right. Like, just the making a block, which acts as a block, but then also acts as a thing, like, also giving you a projectile that gets rid of it and replaces it with whatever you hit with the projectile yep. is yeah. really clever. The ice thing, like being able to make a patch of ice on the wall that you then use as a reflector. Yep. And like the thing that you were talking about, the puzzles that require you to like m- fire the ice thing to make a patch of ice, bounce an ice beam off of it, and then teleport the ice beam in midair so that it will come out of the teleport block on the other side right. with the same momentum. Like that is Ooh. just that is just crazy. Like, like that's, that's, that is one of the that's that's one of the things you have to you have to like realize you can do. That that was something that held me up for a long time and then not realizing that I could freeze the teleport blocks was something that held me up for a long yeah, time. Yeah. That was that was one I was very pleased when I figured that one out cuz that's that's the trick you need to do to be able to teleport to the other side of a row of spikes. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there were a bunch of places where I was like Okay, there is clearly something that I am not understanding because I have all the tools at this point, and there are places I can't get, and I don't understand. I don't understand what that's all about. I mean, it's really neat the the vocabulary that they give you using only four words. Right. I mean, I guess moving around is a word. Right. Wasdy. Yeah. <laughs> Wasd. Wads. <sighs> yeah, the asswad cluster, as one of our listeners would like for it to be called. Right. Right. So what are we doing next, Kevin? Uh, I am proposing that we play a game called Year Walk. Uh, oh, it is okay. On I have actually I've played that already, and it's really good. Okay, I wasn't sure. I, I was pretty sure that you had not talked about it, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, I feel I like a... I had, but it, it may have been because I, I got it when it first came out, so it may have been long enough now that I don't really remember. Okay. But uh, uh, I just, yeah, it's, it just, it's a bunch really of good. You yeah. mentioned it in passing. Uh, and I was intrigued. It seems it seems strange, and it's relatively short, which is nice. look for the uh, trailer that for the next project that that uh, that those guys are making. That looks really interesting too. Is it I year don't know walk, when it's a machine out. for pigs? <laughs> oh, did you also? Uh, it is important to know for your walk that there is there's it's actually two apps. It's the there's the game, but there's also a year walk companion, and you definitely need to get both of them to get the full experience. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Because the I, I the uh, the companion uh, is has some like encyclope- encyclopedia kind of stuff about the the myths and folk tales that appear in the game, and uh, it's it's helpful. Just, I mean, because it's interesting, but it's also helpful to sort of give you a nudge if you're not entirely sure what what these creatures are about. And uh, and also, there's some there's uh, 
some other stuff it does that I can't talk about. Is there an important reason that it's two apps as opposed to just like a codex inside the game? Uh, probably for verisimilitude, I guess, just so that so that it's it's definitely something separate that you're that you're reading outside of the context of moving around in the game world. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. All right. Uh, well, do you guys want to do some listeners' mail? Sure. Sure. All right. Okay. Uh, Emmanuel DNX says, Playing Super Metroid got me thinking about X-ray scopes in games. Are they fun? Whenever I get them in a Metroidvania, Mega Man, or any other game, I don't feel like the world opens up. I just feel obligated to scan every wall. Love to hear your mm-hmm. thoughts on them, and thanks for the great podcast. Yeah, I mean, I... I definitely understand where that impulse comes from in Super yeah. Metroid in particular. Like it was handy for when I knew that there had to be something to do, but I didn't know exactly where it was. Do you not feel compelled in a game? I'm trying to think like Ultima four was kind of like this, although there was a tiny visual cue, but in a game where there, there are, are illusory walls, there are fake walls, mm. yeah, illusionary walls. Like, do you not feel compelled to just run up against every wall? Because that's effectively the same thing. Yeah, and I was I, yeah. I, that's when I read this question. I this is what I was gonna talk about because like when playing Might and Magic two with my dad, your dad, yeah, uh, like he was extremely thorough about once we accidentally discovered that there were illusory walls that you could walk through, he was very, very thorough about probing every single wall in 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 every map. And I, there were two Mars things that bothered there were two too, things right? that bothered me about this. One was that I was a little kid and it was boring as shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, and two, I think the right way to do that is to well there's there's sort of two two ways of thinking, right? Yeah. You might find a secret behind one of those walls that makes it easier for you to handle some enemies on the other side of the map. But in my mind, the right way to do it is you go to all the places where you can go first, especially in that game, because all of the maps were like a 15 by 15 grid. Yeah, right. right? You go to all the places that are normal because maybe you're trying to walk through a wall that there's no reason for it to be fake because you could just walk around to the other side of it. Right. Exactly, yeah. You you map in everything that that you can map, and then you go looking for secret doors where the gaps are. I mean, what I like about, like, one of the things that I think is just crazy genius about The Binding of Isaac is that you know there is always one and exactly one secret room. Well, until you get the expansion. On a level. Oh, is that true? Yeah. I guess in the Wrath Labyrinth Lamb, ones, there's two or three. There's two, huh. But you know, you can look at the layout of a map and you can usually, you can sometimes know for certain where it is and you can sometimes know with two to three possibilities where it is you have to spend a resource to check for it and once once you are fully familiar with the systems it just becomes like a kind of a gambling thing which is fucking great and i feel like that is so much more satisfying like systemically generated play she was extremely liberal she would check all kinds of walls and like it paid off for her i think in the like in sort of the sum of her playthroughs she she found a bunch of hidden rooms and was just very good at it by the end but like i was way more conservative about how i spent resources when i would play yeah so but i mean if the only resource that you have to spend on that kind of thing is time i think that's it's like you know i get why you put that in 
but it's like why d just make the x-ray specs an ability that causes shimmers right. on everything that can be bombed or whatever yeah I mean, like in hotline miami the owl mask that lets you see the pixels a little bit easier like that's the only mask that i would ever use throughout the game right because i want to find all the secrets i don't care about other better power-ups you know yeah uh, WVO Quine writes, How do you feel about the Fez monolith puzzle? It's now a year after the game was released, and the solution is only known because it was brute-forced. No one actually knows the reasoning behind the puzzle. Is this an aggravating and unfinished state of affairs, or is it a cool story? And then he edits, Oh, wait, somebody actually yeah, just made some progress a couple both. weeks ago. They decompiled the game and discovered that there are new codes you can enter after what was previously thought to be the ending. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be both. It's both, it's both an unfinished... I mean, it's not an unfinished state of affairs. It's a puzzle that was designed to be too hard. Yeah. I... I am sad that it was brute forced, right? Like, yeah, I would rather that be a sort of a continuing mm. mystery rather. How than was something. it brute forced? Did somebody just de look at the binaries or something? I have it's no idea. I think somebody somebody figured out that it had to be a sequence of left and right trigger pushes and just ran like every possible combination. But uh, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, it would have been it would be better if it hadn't been brute forced. But on the other hand, if it weren't for things like that, nobody would have decompiled the code and discovered that there were even more puzzles left unsolved, you know, and that sort of created a new resurgence in in the community of trying to figure this stuff out that would not otherwise have happened, which is interesting. I wonder about puzzles like uh, is it i think it is honestly okay to design some puzzles that don't get discovered for years yeah and you just have to be incredibly patient as a designer and let them exist in the world without people stumbling on them i remember i mean we we put some puzzles into kol that would sit around for weeks or months yeah before anybody really noticed them. Yeah, you're fond of the like hiding a puzzle and just not telling anyone about it and letting yeah. letting that discovery process be organic. And I mean, Fez was not advertised as the crazy puzzle hunt that will capture right. your puzzle solving imagination. No, it was it was advertised as the story of Fez who goes on an adventure. Right. Um Yeah, you know, designing puzzles is really hard because you yeah. <sighs> I spent most of today just thinking about puzzle design trying to like think of satisfying ways to make people have really good experiences and it's it is really hard especially with when you have you know you're going to have a wide range of different yeah. kinds of people interacting There's with these all things. kinds of things counts as people yeah some people are good at it and some people aren't and some people are good at particular things and some people aren't and yeah yeah. I mean, I think the best you can hope for is, like, we basically have, I feel like we, when we are making puzzles for Kingdom of Loathing, we have a pretty good mix because I will just make things that are easy and fun to solve and make people feel smart but are really accessible. And they probably don't make people feel as smart as the ones that you guys make when they finally solve them, but... It depends, right? Because they're, like, people will look at a puzzle that Riff or I design and be like, what the fuck? Like, how, how is this even yeah. a thing? I feel like I don't and tend to write puzzles that people will just walk people. away from concluding that there's no way they could ever solve them. Right. And, like, you guys are probably more similar in difficulty to one another, but just slightly di different approaches. Sure. You know? Um, but I think that's great, right? I think that that just means there are puzzles in there for people Everybody. of all yeah. 
difficulty levels. And, um, you know, I think something that was like the MIT Mystery Hunt, but with the volume turned down a lot. So, like, the easiest puzzles were actually easy, and the hardest puzzles were the difficulty of the easiest puzzles in the MIT Mystery Hunt. Right. Would be a thing that a lot more people could enjoy. Sure. You know, and just, and just uh, you know, it's just like a participatory thing. I, that's what I like about the hard things on Fez, though, is they become, that, that's what's so neat about ARGs. Hmm. You know, what I don't yeah. like about them is that they are kind of, they kind of have this built-in time frame in which they have to be solvable because they are promotional, right? And it's like, I'm glad, I'm glad that those are able to exist as a promotional tactic, because it makes it so they're able to exist at all, but I wish that they were just their own thing. I wish that was I wish that was something that you could do that you could make a living doing that, but you just kind of can't. Yeah. You know, there's just not enough people interested in it. The people who are interested in it, you know, they will give you some money, I guess, but getting a hold of them is is rough. Yeah, I don't know. Puzzles, man. Akadric says, can you guys talk about the Star Command Kickstarter cautionary tale a bit? If you haven't played this yet, it would be a cool assignment. Also, it's well worth the $3. Man, I've played it, and I would not I would not recommend that anybody else play it, much less suggest that we oh, do it as Oh, is the game called Cautionary Tale? No, it's called Star Command. Well, it's what, just, is, what is the Cautionary Tale? Well, it was a Kickstarter game that when it came out, it was like not... It, it did come out, and it was a game that you could play, but it was nowhere near the... The, the delivery of the, the the ambitious promises interesting that were on there and it's I thought the game was fucking terrible huh like it had some neat ideas in it but it was so like a lot of the problems that I had with it might have been better if I was playing it with a mouse and keyboard rather than a touch screen because it's like oh well here's a 40 by 40 goddamn diagonal ass grid on your iPhone and you gotta move dudes around by you know using your fat greasy ass finger to tap one of these <laughs> right. tiny little diamonds and uh, yeah it was just it was boring and it huh. was not any fun did you have you been keeping track of the Star Citizen project at all no 15 million dollars that they've raised so far oh, just uh, what is this hunter. say what 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 is this thing Star Citizen it's the it's the what the wing commander guy right yeah Chris Roberts yeah hmm. um you know, and it's like a, it's just like a, it's like trade wars. <laughs> yep. You know, it's like text only. I, mean, I think. I mean, the idea is it's going to be this, you know, huge, expansive universe with people moving around and ships that are cool and customizable and stuff. Eve offline. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that that who knows if that's going to be able to live up to all the crazy hype. They should hire Peter Molyneux. You think? Yeah. <laughs> for, for, to make sure there's press. more crazy hype yeah. for them to try to live up to. I mean, I think that nothing yet has been an, an actual meaningful Kickstarter cautionary tale, right? I mean, maybe that board game, board game that, that didn't... But I mean, that somebody somebody stepped up and took care of that, right? I mean, it's... You know, they, they there, was, there was a giant bomb a while back where they talked about this, and it's like, what what they concluded was going to happen was probably the worst possible outcome, which is that some of these giant successful Kickstarters are going to produce really awesome things, and some of them are going to either not produce anything or produce really disappointing things, and that's like the worst possible outcome, right? Because, oh, what the fuck did I learn from this? Like, You've I guess, played Shadowrun Returns, and you really like it. That was one of the relatively high-end successful ones. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that... Like, if I had given them $500, I don't know that I would have felt 
But you, if but you I wouldn't have given dollars. You were already so invested in yeah. them and their universe, and you would have gotten some sure, other yeah, tangible no, you're, cool you're probably rewards. Right. I mean, I didn't back that Kickstarter, so I all huh. I all I have is all I have is that I paid twenty dollars for this, and it was pretty fun. You know, it occupied me for a lot longer than some other stuff I've played twenty dollars. Yeah, I haven't even played it yet. I backed the yeah. Kickstarter because I I really believe in Shadowrun, and I you know I want to. That is probably my favorite campaign setting of all time. Yeah, it's it's a it's pretty sort of good a realization of it. Have you have you uh, why have you not played it yet? I just I haven't had time to play many games. Mm, okay. I haven't even finished Alpha Protocol. I'm like probably a couple hours from the end of that. I didn't. I haven't gone back after that that assignment week ended. I mean, I feel like so many good things have come from Kickstarter to me so far that it's like it's fine. You know, like I, I'm not scared to back things. You know, I back that. I'm I'm super excited that that Seven Days to Die thing finally got got some traction and got funded and got greenlit like all today. The the Viscera cleanup detail already got greenlit. Mm. Yeah, that was crazy fast. Seems like maybe they've just they're getting their shit together at Greenlight. I wonder if it's mm-hmm. that or if it's they're just like anything that's gotten a bunch that gets a bunch of like a bunch media of press attention. Attention, yeah. They greenlight to make it seem like they're moving faster because mm. I think there are probably still 1,200 games in Greenlight that are just never going to see the light of day. Oh, you don't know that they're never going to see the light well, of day. No, but And I also, I mean, the way that Steam worked before, there were probably that many games that people wanted on Steam that you didn't know about that were never going to see the light of day. It's like... The way that I Steam mean, works now, uh, again, I, you know, the fact that there are probably thousands of games available on Steam that you have to, like, dig for because they never show up in any kind of promotion or anything. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, don't, I guess that's cool. No, I mean, too many games are being made for sure. there to be one place where you find out about all the games, you know? Sure, sure. I mean, I've got my... The way that I find out about stuff is by just a handful of RSS feeds that I follow, and it's, you know, I still miss stuff, right? There's there's just crazy stuff that comes out that everybody knows about, and I've never heard of it. Like, yep. what are you going to do? There's too much shit to know about. Right. You know, it's like, you don't feel that way about books, Right, like all these books get published all the time that you really have to, uh, you'd really have to dig for if you wanted the particular book that might be the best book in the world for you. But like, I do feel that way a little bit, but I, I'm not sad about it. But I'm also not sad about video games. I, I'm, ha- I'm totally content to play a video game five or ten years after it comes out. Sure, <laughs> you know, like which I think is not necessarily the case with a lot of people. They're more excited to play stuff right now. Uh, Codric continues, slightly off topic. How did you decide that podcasts were a thing that you should do? What was your original setup like, and how has that changed now that you've been doing them for so long? Well, we didn't really decide that podcasts were a thing that we should do. Like, So in the very, very early days of KOL, some people set up a shoutcast station that is still running and is still manned by volunteer DJs like 24-7, and they approached me and were like, hey, do you want to do a show on this? And I said, yeah, sure, we could like record some Q&A like a half an hour a week or something, and... They're like, no, 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 you wouldn't record it. You'd do it live. And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess. We'll figure out how to do that. And so then we so just got into the habit years. of... years. Yeah, so like starting in 2003... Um, Was it that early? No, yeah, it 2004. 2004. Josh and I would I just, would at the same, uh, on every Monday, uh, we, would, we would Skype up and broadcast via Sam Broadcaster uh, two hours of Q&A that we did for KOL. It got to the point where we enjoyed doing sort of goofy stuff more than more than the technical stuff, and so I started a 
another two-hour show that was just me, and it was just for like the math and game mechanics nerds to ask me stuff. That ended up expanding after everybody started living in the same place into me and Kevin and Riff doing the Thursday shows, and then me and me and Josh doing the, the Monday shows. So that was just four hours a week, and listeners recorded them all to begin with and would send us the mp3s to put in the archive and then we finally just started recording them on our end so that we would have high quality versions of it right before we started doing video games hot dog um uh, our friend mc frontalot like i said hey if i gave you a budget of like 400 bucks and said i want you to make it so our Pod, like it, it eventually like some KOL players set up a podcast feed where they took the recordings of the shows and made it into a podcast. I was really I was against the formalized notion of podcasts for a really long time until it, there was enough stuff that I was able to get into it and like it became an established enough thing that I didn't feel like you know th- this isn't a real thing. That's just it's just an RSS feed full of MP3s. Like that doesn't it's not like a new thing. It's just this random name that Apple stuck on some bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> history makes fools of me, especially. <laughs> um, but so we got we got a better setup. I mean, because it used to be like we doing it over the radio. The the stream quality was such garbage that it didn't matter. So we would just you know use like a ten dollar headset mic oh, right, right. on the into the sound card of the computer, and you know it was awful, but it was awful no matter what. So then we actually got a real mixing board and some real microphones. And started uh, started doing a little bit of editing. S- slowly moved towards pre-recording everything for the KOL shows instead of that. And then once we once it was like once I was actually making audio content that I was proud of the quality. And we had spent years and years and years working together and producing stuff. We we're like, you know, we should do a general interest video games podcast because I think we could pull it off. And it like, was and Idle Thumbs had like gone away. A month or two after you and Roy had finally buckled. Down we finally did Advice Hot Dog. To do yeah. Advice Hot Dog. Idle Thumbs had gone away, and we were like, "Fuck, man!" There's like, there was not not that we could aspire to this, but like maybe some of the people who are sad that that's gone, maybe we could do something that they would right. try and get a little bit of of satisfaction out of. And um, I feel like we offer. It's Very different. different. Yeah, I mean, we're we're for we're the video games podcast for assholes. Yeah, <laughs> but you should put that on the on the iTunes page. But that's the thing. We never decided that they were a thing that we should do. Right? Like it just happened. Like the the KOL shows were have just been a part of our job for so long and a part of our like engagement with our community. community. Yeah. And they're they're also just you know it's I definitely like it is. Part of my job, doing these podcasts is part of my job insofar as I think that it is important and I want to be ashamed of myself if I don't do it, right? But it's it's also a lot of fun. I mean, it's, you know, I, I just... We've done I, over 100 episodes. Like, I'm, like we, we actually stuck with it, right? Like, that was something yeah. that I wasn't sure was going to happen. Yeah, I, I wasn't too worried about that. I mean, I it, like, the only way, if just no one was listening, we wouldn't have stuck with it. But for all we know, nobody's fucking listening. We've never been able to get any kind of statistics. Or okay, counts. we don't have any statistics, but no. cl- people clearly are listening. People say people talk to us questions, about and they talk to us about it. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, but but yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Just didn't decide to do it. We just get, like start started practicing doing this thing that we didn't necessarily have any interest in, and then just did so much of it that it's like, oh, all right, I guess this is just a thing we do now. And it was something that we were able to continue to do, even though we were not always in the same place because we had we had spent so much time years just sitting around in a room 
recording audio together that even even over the phone or over Skype or whatever, it was totally feasible to, to keep it up. It's better when we're all in the same room. Sure. I, yeah, I'm not going to argue, but... And he continues, any plans to put up YouTube video casts of your podcast? People watch Rush Limbaugh's radio show video casts, so saying you think you're too ugly for TV is clearly not a valid argument. No, man, I'm good looking as fuck. I just don't <laughs> think there's any interest. Like, I don't think that there's anything interesting about watching dudes sitting and talking yeah. into a microphone. Yeah, like, yeah. I, it drives me nuts when a podcast that I listen to does a video episode because it just means that I can't listen to it. I guess do they, now, not, do they not release both formats? No, I mean the, the the one in particular, like the besties, will occasionally do a video episode, and I just fucking hate it when they do it because I don't want to sit. Like podcasts are a thing that I that I consume while I am doing something else, while I am traveling from one place to another, while I am you know running errands, while I'm you know exercising. grinding XP. Yeah, like whatever, and it's like that's vlogs are a totally different thing, and. Go, you know, more power to him, but that's not something that we're at this point interested in at all. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be neat, I think, and it might be entertaining for some people if we did some Twitch streaming. True. And you know, I'm sure that we could we could ask the Gun Run, like, say, hey, well, if you want to come over and but, have a beer and teach us how to set this up with our garbage internet connection, but I think that, that, that Riff Riff is right when he tweets out. Yo, I don't fucking care what you look like while you're playing a game. Just show me the content. Oh, sure. You know? That's the thing. Game, the game and the audio. Yeah. Right. And then that's fine. I mean, unless, you know, unless you, you'd, you'd, you'd mug for the camera, make funny faces and stuff. <laughs> I guess. You'd Hit that. you with a mug. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Casey Wiederman says uh, that he quotes me as saying, I like the idea of two worlds, each of which has things that you do that influences the other one because it's a lot more comprehensible. He says, that game is Chrono Cross. It is amazing, <laughs> and I'm sad that you've dismissed it. I didn't dismiss it. I played it, and I didn't yeah. enjoy it. It was also Dark Seed, which was two games, actually. Although the second one wasn't very good. Uh, Kodrick says, in Video Games Hot Talk episode 87, while talking about that Thomas was alone, Jick says something, Zach says something to the effect of, I don't believe in making the player solve the same puzzle multiple times in a row. Several years earlier, Jick invents Ascension in KOL, and we all fucking <laughs> love it, or at least I do, but really, Ascension is just a means of making the player solve the same puzzle multiple times in a row. Here's my question. At what point does a repeatable action so become so complex that there's value in repeating it? Similarly, is a repeatable action that requires skill something you would believe in, even if it were a simple action? Would you agree that repeating a complex action is a skill purely by virtue of the complexity of the action? Yeah, I think so. And I would not describe playing through a KOL Ascension as a puzzle. It's more of a... It's there more are of an, sections that are puzzles. There are sections that are puzzles. And, I, and honestly, I don't like the parts where I tend to... Riff is really fond of making the player solve a, a category of puzzle and randomly producing the the solution and the setup to a given puzzle every mm -hmm. time you go through. I don't like that very much, and I would like to get rid of all of that from the critical path through the 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 core repeated things. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't put in one like that in the critical path in a long time. I don't. No, know. we really haven't. I think there's only one left. There's the, I mean, the stuff in the, the heavy door puzzle. Yeah, the door in the tower is the is the only yeah. thing. And I, I just I, I would like well, to replace are, that with something else. There are things in the form of riddles that are sure, and I don't like any of. I, I like I wish I wish that none of those were things that you had to do again because because it it exactly like my objection in Thomas is alone. I don't think that that is a thing that is actually fun to do multiple times. I I disagreed with your assessment in, in the of Thomas was alone because it was. There were ways, when you had to go up, say, a staircase by manipulating a three, 
of the guys of different heights and different jumping abilities or whatever, <clears throat> it, you could have novel ways to screw that up because you had to repeat it a couple times and that was still interesting, right? So that that was worth exploring as a video game, I think, and didn't trigger my sensibilities about like wasting my time. Um, that said, it'll do felt fresh the whole fucking time to me. And there yeah. were a couple of things where you repeated tricks that you learned, but they were in longer sequences, that, which were had additional stuff going on. And like that was a better construction, I think, than Thomas was alone. But Thomas was alone wasn't necessarily about having intricate puzzles I don't think no and that's why it was just like alright so here's this trick that you do using these two dudes to make a jump that's higher and it just would make you do the exact same thing three times in a row to like make sure okay. you got it and I just don't I just didn't have any patience but it was also it. telling you a story while you were doing it right so like it was here learn this thing and then while you're doing the next two let me give you a little interesting you know tidbit about the characters and stuff yeah it, yeah yeah I don't mm. know yeah yeah. Different tolerances for yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I've had an excellent time doing an episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you tonight. Yep. Uh, if somebody wanted there's, to send us some been a good show. mail, how would they, how would they do that? Kevin? Well, uh, you could tweet us at VGHotDog. You could email us, VGHotDog at gmail.com. Uh, you could check out our website, VideoGamesHotDog.com, where you can find our forums and a link to our archive and uh, advertisements just splattered all over the place for other things. That's not true at all. It's mostly just <laughs> skeletons and swords. Okay. Sweet swords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's Stalfos. Yeah. Master sword. Yeah. I, it's not the master sword. It's the white sword. Okay. Does the white that's... sword appear in any of the other games? I don't know. I don't remember it, but I, I don't pay a tremendous amount of attention to the sword. It's possible lore. that it did appear in another game. It's just that we didn't master using it. <laughs> so we couldn't have it. All right, guys. Well, I'll see you on the next episode of Video Games Hot Dog. Yep. See you later. Have a great week, everybody. Next month's item of the month, by the way, is a dick. <laughs> yeah, just a dick. Just a dick. It doesn't do anything. It just makes every monster look like a dick and every yeah. item into a dick. It spices up the game a little bit. I mean, if you like dick spice... Yeah. Dick, dick, dick spice was the one who was only in a couple of the videos. <laughs>